Just a quick spoiler warning here at the beginning. We will discuss the story and its twists freely, so if you want to experience the book or the movie spoiler-free, I recommend you go first enjoy them before joining in our discussion. That said, enjoy. Sunlight Movies. I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello. And um, today we are going to talk about Dune, um, specifically the uh, 2021 Denis Villeneuve's uh, directed Dune adaptation, which is um, which is a kind of uh, the the latest culmination of the of the saga of trying to adapt Dune. In many ways, like so, Dune originally is, of course, a sci-fi novel from 1965 from Frank Herbert, which is considered to be one of the best-selling science fiction novels and very, very influential in terms of uh, um, Star Wars and Matrix and all of any of these like sci-fi stories. Um, uh, Notably, for example, you can recognize from like. You know, you remember in Star Wars, there's this, um, they can, like, the Jedi can hypnotize people by saying, like, you will you will leave us alone, and then the people will leave them alone. Remember that? No. Okay. <laughs> I think we will cut this off. No! Um, don't cut this off. This is new for me. I <laughs> love that. And now I have to see them again. <laughs> it was in the very first movie. Obi-Wan, no, but uh, no, maybe I haven't seen the very first movie. I have only seen few, some of them. No, that's why. But that's interesting. Yeah, so so in the very first Obi Wan, uh, in in the first Star Wars, New Hope, uh, Obi Wan, there's star star uh, star troopers, huh? starship troopers. No, no. starship troopers are, is is Paul uh, <laughs> the Ruins. What are these Star Wars? Some yeah. kind of troopers they are. Yeah, there's always troopers in this. Also in yeah, this so, Yo. so they are the troopers, the soldiers, and the Obi Wan says to them, they are like, "Have you seen the new Jedi's?" And then they say, "You will leave us alone." And he like, wow, uh, passes a hand in front of them, and then they will like, so, "Oh, we don't need to uh, inspect these guys. Let let them go." And in the in the Dune, they have this voice. Yeah, remember, and the voice kind of makes you do whatever yeah, that yeah, voice mystical. says you do. So it's it's a very similar concept. So I, when wow. I when I when I imagine and I read about this Dune voice, I kind of it always brings me back to these Jedi powers and What so was and so. the name of that first film, the Jedi film? It was originally just Star Wars. Ah, Star Wars. It was just Star Wars that was the first movie. But now later when it became a saga, a, a franchise and a trilogy the first first original movies it was renamed as New Hope, or it, okay. it was given the title Star Wars New Hope. I wrote it down. I will see it now. That <laughs> you got me interested. <laughs> um, anyway, so Dune was very influential to 
to a lot of like sci-fi stories that came afterwards, like Star Wars, and um, it, there's a mini series that was adapted from it that I have not seen. Uh, there was a very very infamous uh, production led by uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, who tried to uh, create a film adaptation of the book, and it took like two years just for the pre-production uh, effort to that they were doing the the storyboarding and the script and getting like everything kind of together, and the budget was already expanding and expanding and getting crazier and crazier and um, script Jodorowsky's script would result in the end into a 14-hour film <laughs> that he was imagining and it's like it's, it's maybe the some one of the most wildest I, uh, concept for a movie that I've ever read uh, there's there's just so much amazing stories related to that there's a documentary that doesn't even scratch the tip of the iceberg of the stories related and the whole like um, the deep end of this Jodorowsky's tune that and, and I and I recommend people to go and search for that and we don't have time to go into Jodorowsky's tune and and the production company kind of um, kind of fired him and closed that production down but there was still like a lot of work that was done for Dune and they still had the film rights to, to make Dune so they kind of continued um, or I, I think it was moved to another production company or something and then eventually that that led the film to be given to David Lynch who then made a film uh, in 1984 his own adaptation very strange yeah very strange sequence of events and also no, very yeah of course, a very strange move from David Lynch, who I That's think I mean. had just made Elephant Man before that. Like he <laughs> yeah, was yeah. doing quite relatively mm. conventional movies, and then he did like his uh, first and last blockbuster movie, which was Dune. And uh, this was also a famously very difficult production. And uh, David Lynch has um, gone on record saying that he hated it so much that this production, that he doesn't want to work with Hollywood ever again after that. Wow, and indeed, nice. after that tune, he never came back to Hollywood and oh, he stayed nice as an indie director. So he, so he got his lesson. Um, and I think that the both, both pr uh, productions had a kind of a, maybe a similar um, challenge in that they were very much uh, controlled by production, yeah, uh, the producing, do, the, yeah. the producers um, who mm. wanted to kind of limit their scopes. I think Jodorowsky was, of course, really bombastic, and then also David Lynch very much has his own style and own way. Yeah, stuff you and... can't control them. What do they think? Yeah, exactly. And uh, um, so, anyway, so in, in Finnish, you say. Uh, we have been waiting for this, like the rising moon, you know, like yeah. when do we get to see the Dune adaptation by Denis Villeneuve? And then it finally came. So did you have any like knowledge of Dune before this? Have you read the book? Have, do you know anything about Dune before you went to see this film? Yeah, I knew some because of you. 
You had told me about Jodorowsky and and some, but it's very surface uh, information for me because I didn't get into it, like reading the books. Mm. Why, even if it was in 1965, I would have had the chance to read it then. Mm. Mm. But did, did you uh, read in general any science fiction books? Or no, yeah, only? that was the point. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now you're, you that you get it. It's uh, not interested me at all, in general. But this Dune, I am very much into it. <laughs> so now you finally I saw the story. So yeah. So I don't mind it's science fiction or anything. It feels like real. Well, famously, it, of course, Frank Herbert mm-hmm. uh, reduced uh, the amount of technology that is present in the film. There is a kind of a history lore to the Dune that before the events of the Dune book, there was some kind of, um, uh, there's a kind of a law in the universe uh, that nobody can produce uh, a machine that can mimic a human mind. So they they cannot produce technology that gets so advanced that there's artificial intelligence and stuff. I, 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 I feel like I remember some kind of like robot war kind of matrix style or something that might have happened before and they kind of I think it was something like that and then they kind of they finally won it won the humanity won and they kind of um, decided together to as a rule that we cannot make this high advanced robot so the kind of uh, idea is that um, uh, instead of technology they have started to advance human skills like that's uh, nice. That's like, what uh, is good in it. Yeah. So they have like uh, advanced, like a very like a uh, um, advanced intelligence and uh, kind of uh, you could maybe like supernatural ability. Yeah. Like, so yeah, like, like mystical this. and psychology yeah. and things and inside it goes inside. It all happens inside you, like this. This do. Yeah. Yeah, so and that was the, that was specifically the reason why the writer wanted to reduce the technology, so he can kind of focus better on the human aspects and the mm. psychological and the the kind of um, um, psychedelic aspects. It of was the story. it was quite amazing, really. That's the real word in right word in this connection is this when in the beginning. When they have this, uh, this boy is this Timothy Chalamet is the main person. So mm-hmm. there comes and and the mother. The mother is very important because she belongs to this mystic group of women. Yes, the Benegasserit, the sister. Yes, group. exactly. So so th- when this comes, this this um, Charlotte Rampling. Yeah. Or suddenly I see Charlotte <laughs> Rampling and she comes like uh, no nonsense witch. Yeah. And it's amazing. That's that's something. It's I fell in love with immediately. Like no nonsense woman who is demanding really great insights, inside skills, psychological skills from mm-hmm. this boy. And wonderful. Mm-hmm. And this was done. Is was it in the book in in Herbert? Yes, it's actually the the. So you're talking about the Komchapar scene, the yeah. the test. Where yeah. he has to put his hand into the box and yeah. feel great pain, and uh, if he takes his hand out of the box, he will die. Uh, and the and woman in general, this witch, 
that mm-hmm. DLC exists at all. That's great. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's actually it's the very first scene in the book. It's 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 where wow. the whole book starts off. Is Lady Jessica, the mother, wakes up uh, Paul, and they actually look at him while he's sleeping, and then they wake wake he wake her. She wakes him up and says that you have to go and see this Reverend Mother, and that's that's the kind of whole introduction to this whole world is. That's uh, very it. nice that you tell me this because now I remember that in the film it was kind of different. They bring this woman and she walks like yeah. an Arabic woman in the desert and things and you don't know what is going on here. And then comes this scene. Very nice that now I know how it's... Uh, so and, I kind of, it, and I kind of like that in the book that that it shows and that he chose to, to start it with this type of scene because mm-hmm. it really illustrates the... Also, the difference of the Dune book to other many other like sci-fi adventures or something like, for example, Star Wars very famously opens with the with the with the ongoing action that you are dropped in, like it's it's uh, re- rebellion ship being chased after by the emperor emperor or what um, the uh, and like explosions and people dying and laser fighting and stuff like this and it's like this big action sci-fi action scene this is very exciting but dune kind of choose to start with uh mythology yes. and mysticism mm. and and in, like you say inner inner thoughts and challenge and deep understanding of the human condition and and this kind of stuff and it really puts your mind into the like what to expect from this yes. story it gives you the level of this film in the beginning, like, and you immediately start to like it. Even yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter if it's skiffy, skyfi, what you call it. Yeah. And that moment on, it's real. That's real. It feels, you feel it's real, even if you know that this is uh, not very much done now. But I think, the world. I think you are now describing very much what a successful sci-fi should make you feel. No. <laughs> not that like not you, you should never be like oh this is just sci-fi and okay and yeah you know it, you should feel exactly that you know you know what it reminded me of, i can say in the between here that mm-hmm. uh, just just like that i bounce now to uh, my mikhail ender's never ending story the child children's book mm-hmm. And the film was made out of it, but the book is very fascinating. That was in 1979, Uh you know? So there is a similar thing there going on, even if in a different scale. It's more for children. Because there is um, this uh, falcor, the flying animal, and then there's Atreyu. And Atreyu is the hero, but in... What we have here in Dune, we have Atreides. Very, no? It's like who took from whom, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. But it's mm-hmm. all these, these mystical places, they start with this Arrakis at, and Atreyu and Atreides. And this. So Atreyu and this Bastian books, which is the double of Atreyu, no? Two people. It's also here we go on double all the time, bad and good and opposites, like Dune, in Dune. Mm. And then there is childlike Empress in in um, Never Ending Story. So here we have this Zendaya, what you call it? Zendaya, this girl? 
in the beginning and in the end. Chani, who, the Fremen. Yeah, Chani, the mm. Fremen woman. And so there is a young woman with the kind of a, has superior powers. So and um, so a little bit like that. So it's kind of very fascinating. Or and but this is a side thing. But I and understand they both, that both have a, a, a scene with uh, tunes. Yeah, I, I don't know if in the movie I don't remember if there, but in the book, never yeah, the movie is a big part that mm, happens also in a tune in a big big desert. Yeah, it's a very well done book. This never any story. The film is not as good as all. No, 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 no. It should should be done maybe a new, but okay, I can't say <laughs> that. Okay, sure. so anyway, there is this. Uh, we all agree that this uh, Dune film is. It's a big film. It's a big movie, a big scale in story and in in the looks and in the screen. You mm-hmm. see it in the huge screen. The, only the head of Timothy Chalamet. No, it's already. It's so <laughs> beautifully done. This all the pictures of all the all what it is there, but that's special for Denis Villeneuve. He yeah. does beautiful films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in beauty, uh, real beauty, and uh, but and then there's a very big econo- ecological message here. So Villeneuve hit the right time, exactly the right time now, and mm-hmm. it, it, he had kind of a luck in this. He's been lucky in general, I think, mm-hmm. in his films, because I think what I felt. I went emotionally into this film when I watched it. I never noticed the time, and there was three hours and so on. Oh, it and it's a long movie, no, yeah. two hours thirty-three minutes it is, and I never noticed the time, and that's that's rare, no? It's, uh, so I felt like he's been preparing himself all through his career through to this. But maybe not. Who knows? But it looked like that because he's doing. He take. He's taking here in June parts of. You can feel. See it like arrival. His this arrival with the spaceships. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of thing there, and the Blade Runner. So it it felt like. You no, know, I have been going through his films with all those first ones since the first ones and the Ansicarian arrival. And Blade Runner forty nine and so on. So it, it was coming nearer and nearer and nearer to Dune all the time. Like and that's, that's it. Now I felt it when I saw it that no, not that's it. Now he's got it. But who knows? He will go forward to something really more and more and more because he's honing it. He's honing it to perfection somehow. Yeah, I was a little bit worried for him because. Uh, uh-huh. He said that he was doing Arrival, and then he then he did like uh, started like because um, uh, he did Sicario, and then he kind of then after Sicario he moved just to sci-fi. Uh, he did Arrival, and then he moved into a big absolute like you cannot do, like imagine the the scale of of change in production like uh, mm. set. Where you come from, arrival into a huge blockbuster movie of Blade Runner with Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling, and 
so much expectation from from existing uh, pop culture fans, and it was like his dream to do Blade Runner, you know, which is I think many directors' absolute dream to to be able to do that that film. And he was he he went directly from Arrival to Blade Runner, and he said that he was like absolutely exhausted because he haven't had like a break. He has been like continuously. Yeah, the um, producing will have to somehow. He has because of that. So so then so I then uh, so I expected that he would have like a, a break between Blade Runner and Doom, mm. but actually he just kept going, working endlessly like a in, you know very act, daily active way mm. with uh, Dune, and so I really hope that he takes a break now. Like like he's he's been going full speed ever since Arrival, which came out like. Um, 2016. So just you can like five years. He has been working nonstop. Yeah. Or, in you know. in in his first films, in the first two or so, I was really I hated him. I was really disappointed. I thought nothing will come out of this director. And how <laughs> wrong was I? I turned complete opposite when I saw Arrival. And mm-hmm. Even before that, this uh, this where they were. What was it called? The prisoners, or what? They look for the children. Yes, the prisoners. Okay. So then, anyway, it it reminded me, all this came on me, you know, arrival, all this, and then also Starship Troopers, as you mentioned, before this Paul Verhoeven's, uh, this insects, which are <laughs> flying around. It's, it's a very good movie, this, this Starship Troopers, I mm-hmm. think. I love it. And here we had the, suddenly we have the helicopters there and all this same type. The wappling, wappling with this flapping wings and things and they are flying with the helicopters and so enjoyable. So really. And and then I had just seen at last, you know, first time in my life I saw Miyazaki's Nausicaa. For the first time? First time I never oh. seen before, and suddenly I see this, and I just fell in love with it on the first moment. It's a, it's a great story, and very much comes to this Dune. Yeah, very similar uh, kind of. Uh, well, Nausicaa is a very apo- apocalyptical because it's mm. post-apocalyptic story, but it's uh, set in a desert and it's very environmental. Young people. And there, there is a very similar character equivalent to the worms of Dune with the Om creatures. Yeah. yeah. And they fly a lot and they it was just it's I recommend it to anybody, anybody, ever. Child or grown up. Yeah. So anyway it's uh, all these were coming to me on Dune. And um, so uh, also this this one thing that the cinematography, you know? I didn't know so much this Fraser, Greg Fraser, mm-hmm. who made the cinema, but, but it's just when you watch this big screen in the theater and you are anywhere, you are in the place. It's real. Mm-hmm. You are in, he made the background and everything so real. I read somewhere that it was uh, filmed in uh, Hungary and 
Ja, Hungary, Norway, Jordanian, Arabic Emirates. And uh, then they took languages from uh, Arabic and, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, Farsi in Iran. And uh, then there's uh, Finnish, this Harkonnen. Harkonnen. It's called Harkonnen, but this uh, writer took it from the Finnish phone book, Harkonnen. It's a common surname in Finland, Harkonnen. So yep. suddenly we see this Harkonnen and he's the big evil of all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big, huge man with Stellan Skarsgård acting. Mm -hmm. And he just reminds you like this apocalypse now. Yeah, like, indeed. Some. Very frightening person. <laughs> <Some>. <laughs> really. Uh, yeah. yeah, so all these characters, yeah, yeah, if you want uh, me to say about this film still, so I, I, every time now, I afterwards, a month after I remember this film, the first thing comes to my mind always is this Oscar Isaac, when he's been tortured by Harkonnen, Harkonnen, <laughs> and he's lying, relying on this uh, chair in by the table i make it and it's just like a rubens painting it's amazing beautiful it's amazing all these muscles he don't look like a human person he looks like a hercules or something he's the most beautiful person in the world timothy salamet goes into number two after that completely. like you remember him there yes. Yeah, and then of course he was going to be killed and everything there because, but but that's one of the great scenes of cinema, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really, and the whole film is like that. It's one after the other, like Shakespearean stories. I have to mention here about that scene that I really yeah. enjoyed um, because uh, the Baron Harkonnen. Can, has of course gone through many different adaptation and different like uh, reimaginings, and it's very it's a very interesting way of how Denis Villeneuve chose to portray him. And one of the one of the main key aspects of that character is of course the idea that he levitates, that he's so fat that he has this machine that makes him like levitate and he doesn't have to use his legs. That was surprising. And um, uh, really and I and I most of all I enjoyed, for example, in that scene how Denis Villeneuve chose to kind of portray and also how the camera portrays him. That when he when when he when the Oscar Isaac is just laying there and Baron is on the other side of the table and he's eating all of their food and he's all the time like cluttering and he's like this. All the the main point of that character is to be just disgusting as. Disgusting yeah, yeah. as you can be, yeah, but then, yeah. but then uh, the there's this moment where he, where Oscar Isaac says something or and he has to go like, I don't know. He goes to the doctor Yue, uh, uh, to him, and he has to like go from the other side of the table to him, and he like levitates, and he's yeah. this dark figure, and he just like levitates over the table to this this car a kind of off camera and he appears like a ghost in that yeah and and that's I, I never thought of him as a ghost and it was I think a very beautiful a very nice little touch 
uh, to that character of how to kind of visually portray it. And it also also brought this scene then into the end in easy way because he started to levitate. So he it explained yeah, yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. the later later happenings. And all this time, this Rubens picture is there. <laughs> no, oh no. Re- yeah. Renaissance time, Renaissance time. This figure is with the skif- skif- skiffy mm-hmm. in the same picture. Mm-hmm. He mixes these blends them effortlessly, and you accept it. You just watch it. You you accept it, and uh, yeah. It's really something. Yeah, and uh, of course there are a lot of uh, beautiful characters because they are all, all of them, they're somehow beautiful, even this, uh, this, this levitator, what you call it. But there's this Jason Momoa, whom I saw for the first time in my life now. <laughs> really? Really, and I didn't know who is. Afterwards I read that he's been... Watched a lot in movies. Yeah, he's a I big, haven't big seen. star. Yeah, he's so beautiful, so beautiful. I was all the wanting to see him <laughs> because he's so beautiful. And I'm not going after beautiful people no, normally. Like uh, I, it's not. Uh, but he makes it. The Villeneuve makes it so that you want to follow them. Like you mm. want to, and. And there was also Josh Brolin, whom I want no better to follow. But but Jason Momoa was his swordsmaster. This other one was a was a weapons uh, overruler, like the whole no? uh-huh. the weapons master. This Josh Brolin, very interesting. But then comes Jason Momoa, and is even more. He makes it like he adds adds. Uh, things into the how would I say it? You understand what I mean? He gives us one and then he gives us another who is even better. And then he gives us that which is even better. And that's a, it's a, it's accumulates and makes a more strength into the scenes and into the movie. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about know. the actors or also in general anything? No, I mean the story, like yeah. uh, because the story is the important, and these people are in the story. But the way they look, he he was choosing the right actors to these parts, like mm-hmm. is they effect on you. They have all a presence. They have character. They have a charisma, and you. I was surprised, like. Also, this Charlotte uh, Rambling, no? Yeah. There, uh, there are women, they're one on top of each other, like going more and more and more. Just, it's, it's the same effect, I feel, that in that whole film. Mm-hmm. So you feel for everyone there in that film. You have a lot of feelings all the time. It's just, mm-hmm. it breaks your heart with Oscar Isaac <laughs> thing and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm. I didn't mind at all that in the end, when it ended, that this Zendaya, Zendaya this took them on this path and said that this is just the beginning or whatever she says. Yeah. 
I demand at all that okay, now we are cut off like in, you know, like in uh, Better Call Saul, that suddenly we don't see the end. Oh, oh. So, okay, it will come, I will wait. The mm-hmm. second part of Dune. Well, yeah, okay, so, if, uh, yeah, that's a good segue or kind of a bridge to, like, my experience in uh, when I went to see it, because um, I know the book beforehand. And I, my main, my main criticism to everybody when I was talking about the book is that it's a type of a sci-fi book uh, or fantasy book where um, when you make the first book, when you make the first introduction, you know, the beginning of your story, it's not enough uh, to only, uh, you know, as a writer, you, you have to do world building. You have to build up the world to your reader. You have to introduce the world. It's a type of book. I, I had a little bit of the same criticism, for example, of uh, the Brave New World that I have. Uh, I was also reading actually around the same time. That both of these books, like Dune and Brave New World, take a long time to, to for the world building. That that kind of pre- that is that is taking it's time away from the actual story and plot that to start developing. And so, so you have this long beginning of the book where it's just kind of, there's no story yet. And it's just kind of building up this world, like telling you how it works. And, and you're like, and, and the brave new world, like, like, where, when, when does the actual story, when does the, 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 when does the, um, initiative uh, action happen yeah. you know that that sets off our adventure and the in dune it takes about one third of the book the the world building is basically the first chapter so, so the next two uh, is the really really in interesting uh-huh. um, story that then starts to kind so of so you de- mean develop. that this, this film is about this first part yeah, so it actually ends exactly on this third, first third of the book, uh, where so, yeah. you know my experience of watching the movie was that I I see Dune and I'm like when you, when you I'm going to Dune and I expect to see how Paul uh, Denny Villeneuve not Verhoeven but Denny Villeneuve how he does all that that I you know that Fremen this, and that, this Fremen how he lives in Fremen and so yeah on. we saw pictures of them in the desert you're already you know, waiting for it like I was waiting for for better call so <laughs> yeah so, yeah so I but, but I know how the story I am very very much into how he would adapt it and everything and then and then the 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 title of the movie comes up and it's Dune and then out of nowhere I have never seen it anywhere suddenly comes a very fast cl- glimpse under the main title, part one. Yeah. And it goes one. away very fast. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, 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 what What was that? Part one of what? Like the first Dune book, because there is sequels to the book. So you mean this is the first book and then we will later have sequels? Yes. But, but that was a little means. bit of an alarm bell for me. I was like, yeah. uh-huh. I don't what what part one it, it's nowhere in posters it's never anywhere promoted as part one of anything it's dune it's the name of the book so i was a little bit okay then i forget about it 
and then first hour goes by second hour goes by you know it's almost three hours already and it it takes so much effort to to tell every scene from the book it pretty much does all the scenes you know like I'm the Komja bar and it, it, doesn't, it, it, yeah. it does alter some little things but it's very faithful in a way to the scenes that it what and it and it felt like wow it's really emerging your you as an audience into every scene and like oh yeah. this scene is as if every scene is very important for all the fans to see as a film and and I was at some point, you know, by around two hours, you know, I, I don't know, I didn't know how long it has been going, but I was like, this is still like first third of the book. This is like, I'm I'm kind of, you know, getting a little bit bored because this is the part that I, <laughs> this was the boring part of the book, basically. This is like, we, are, we still haven't got into the actual story of the Dune, the adventure of what Paul Atreides will go through when at the at the end when you you had this Chani moment when she's like uh this is only the beginning and already i was feeling like okay the movie is wrapping up like what this is is literally it's only the beginning of the story so and then it ended and i felt so cheated and angry <laughs> that i have to now wait for another movie to get to the actual part of the book that i actually was mostly interested in. Now and you know how I feel about Shaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but it will be the critics. It's read, written that it will be a trilogy. It it so 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 what 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 actually is happening in the background is that uh, Villeneuve once said that he never wanted to do a single movie, but the, that the world is too complex and and he really like has clearly wants to take his time to to feel every scene and everything but it's it's the the, the problem here is that the 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 possibility of the sequel relies completely on the success of this first movie there is no greenlit it has not yet been greenlit the sequel it's no. not in mm. production yet. Yeah. It all now uh, uh, depends on the box office success of this film. So Villeneuve would like to do a trilogy. They would like to continue the story. But if this movie will do badly, we will not see that story. They will not mm. do it. Mm. Because, and this did happen already before with another franchise. Um, there is this great children fantasy book series called His Dark Materials. They did they 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 made a film adaptation of the first book called The Golden Compass. And it failed so badly and it was a really bad adaptation and it didn't do at all well. So they decided to just not do the rest of the films. So we only have the first book. This one succeeded it's really good. Also, I have, by the way, another another example for you. They were David uh, David Fincher did the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which was the first part of the book series. From yeah, I was disappointed writer. that nothing came after. So it was it supposed great. it was planned to be a franchise, wow. like a sequel of films Whoa. that was to be adapted from those books, 
and, but it didn't do as well as they wanted, and so they scraped the whole franchise plan. So we never That's saw any of the happened. other films. Now I, I, I didn't See, know this that. Is how, and this is, my, this is what I'm now afraid, because it's a, it's a gamble, it's a risk to do Dune mm, this way as a, as a cinematic blockbuster experience, because you are betting on the, solely on the box office to have that full story. But and you know that they are now in this, uh, they are publicizing this Timothy Chalamet, who is the main actor in this, is a hero. So they are branding him really much now. So I think that cannot fail. So I, I don't like this type of filmmaking. I don't like that, like, you, you, you have now at this moment a movie that, in my opinion, is broken. Because it's it doesn't have a conclusive story, it's yeah, it's, it's just right. setting up first part of a trilogy or a, of a book, uh, a movie series. And if we have, if we if you know, even even if you would have them, you you go now and see this one in such this way to make a film to just take the the one third of a book and just stop it, just so you go and see the next film. It's, for me, it's a worse type of like filmmaking. It's, but, it's... but you can't help it in this case because you need so much money to make it. This, this kind of a planet going around there. It's... Yeah, but okay. So, so there's there's great examples of of other movies that do that are part of a, a saga, a franchise, uh-huh. a first first part of the film that in the same time introduces the world. And kind of uh, gives it a space to expand. You think that Star Wars was like that, and the Ring? Yeah, so those are great examples. And Matrix, I would put there also. Especially Star Wars and Matrix were not designed as to be first part of a franchise. They are great films by themselves. Like Star Wars actually really ends in a in a great epic battle. And it concludes the story, and and uh, if you if you never have made any sequels, it would still be a great film. And the ring with the with the crazy person, crazy this is not the person, even this eye, the eye. Lord of the Rings is also a, it's 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 even though um, uh, Tolkien made clearly a trilogy out of the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the of the Ring, Peter Jackson made a great first film. That works great by itself. Really? And yeah, it's it's a, it's I a have great seen first them now a few times because of all this what we have been talking about. That I, I couldn't read the books; it was so boring. But the films, I but, really but, learned to like. Yeah, so Lord of the Rings can be maybe come closest to what Dune is kind of doing, but but Lord of the Rings uh, arc is kind of setting up that Fellowship of the Ring. And it, it greatly concludes that arc within that end of the film and makes you yearn for the for the for the extended adventures of that party and where they will go on from that. But Dune just ends. There is no arc to. There is not like what is what what we are setting up in the beginning and where does it has to conclude? And it just basically choose to conclude it. For the as as the kind of uh, 
acceptance to be go a lot to to follow the fremen you know and that they survived the attack from harkonnens but to me that's not really a story that's not like um uh, an arc you know just so villeneuve you know. is a gambler he's real he cannot sleep now for a long time he's yeah he's, yeah I so he's a he's real a, gambler yeah and when when we we when he made arrival and then he made um blade runner blade runner is really really uh experimental film and he really enjoyed combining this blockbuster uh uh style into a very kind of uh so-called art house artistic uh choices yeah he's an art house director yeah yeah like like so blade runner was an experiment and he was trying mm. to kind of generate a new type of blockbuster genre where you 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 are you don't have to rely on the on the on the on the checklist of the blockbuster format to mm. like what Jurassic World and uh, Star Wars and all every other blockbuster does like they they meander to the to the common audience expectations of what to how to experience this blockbuster and Blade Runner really took a left turn and did their own thing and it mm. it was really a it was a it was a it was a really a un exceptional experience as a, as, a, as a cinematic experience and he really he was really proud of that aspect of it that he and he thought that blade runner needed that it needed to be this big budget blockbuster thing of course uh, that the producers expected it to be but then that it needed to have this 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 very free flowing own artistic uh tone you know yeah. uh but but it was it it kind of came um um how do it call it it kind of uh it it failed in the end this experimentation with blade runner not not with the quality of the film the film itself is still a great film but the box office and the 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 money that it 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 uh, got was it was a kind of a flop. But wasn't the Blade Runner first one, the first Blade Runner like that too, that it became a cult film? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it followed very much the same pattern of the first Blade Runner, that nobody went to see it, uh, mm -hmm. but it kind of grew up on the audience eventually. Um, the, one of the main problems with the new Blade Runner was that it was trying to be a big blockbuster film, which is meant to be accessible for a large audience. But Denis Villeneuve made it a very kind of inaccessible film because it, mm. it had this very, very strong own artistic style. And, but the anyway... So, so the producers kind of... They, they were kind of... Uh, disappointed in the performance of the film and this hurted Denny Villeneuve very much I think in the same similar way as as um, Alexander Bain was hurted very much when he did his first kind of a big budget film uh, the downsizing that we talked about uh, in a similar way he was his career and his 
his reputation was very much hurt uh, by the box office failure of that film because you are you are given a big budget to make it and if you fail after that you they don't really uh, trust you in the same way after that and I, Alexander Payne hasn't yet made really a film after that so so I to me what I'm what I'm saying trying to say is that like after Blade Runner that that gave Denis Villeneuve who was then promised still to make Dune with a lot of money which was really really great for him that he was able to do that but it but but you can imagine that after failing in such a scale with Blade Runner uh, especially when when part of that probably was your your um, desire to do something very experimental with it to do Dune I think it created a lot of pressure for him to now succeed no matter what you know like now he has to do good and he he doesn't he cannot afford to experiment so i think that really toned his experimentation level down and he okay i will just do a great good production faithful but an accessible blockbuster it's a complex book you know and that was the problem with the making the movie of, yeah. for anybody. Yes, but, exactly. But, so that's but that's why we have. But he did it history. very well. This did, one. Yeah, he did it an accessible blockbuster way, and all you can hope for that it's enough accessible so that people go and see it, and then you know you will have the sequel. You know. Because otherwise we would have to wait 20 years until it becomes a cult film and, and then only yeah, we can yeah, go like sequel Runner. and then Timothy <laughs> Chalamet is on retiring. <laughs> yeah, we have to have so. a whole different way of thinking about this story. But like, like I was thinking a lot about like, why, why do we have, also it, it feels a little bit like we have, have sometimes an obsession to create a cinematic experience. And it, but this, but for many people the cinematic experience means theater, like a big screen, uh, seventy millimeter. You know, like Martin Scorsese talks about it. Uh, uh, uh-huh. I I criticized Tarantino with Once Upon Time in Hollywood that he was so obsessed of having a cinematic experience that he kind of maybe uh, was blinded by the possibility or the opportunity to have this uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a kind of a miniseries or and then just double down on or on make it LVC on a cell phone that you can watch it on a cell phone <laughs> but but so so like like for, we have to, we have you mentioned Peter Cole Saul already a lot during this talk and we are in a point where series and television has become as much cinematic as going they to are. the movies. I'm so happy, so happy. Yeah, like Better Call Saul or Sopranos or like they 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 are so strong in their execution that I they really rival any movie experience in in it's just it's just a serialized format of the same. And there there has actually it's a very f- funny coincidence that actually right now uh in uh, was it uh, Amazon Prime and Apple TV? They now, but they now released two new series that are based on two uh, highly influential, uh, huge uh, book series 
one uh, being Wheel of Time, which is a, a classic uh, fantasy book series in in the style of Lord of the Rings and uh, everything. Yeah, I never read it, but I know about it. Uh, so, and and then in um, was it in uh, Amazon Prime or somewhere or Apple Apple TV? They released the Foundation uh, series, which is okay. of course based on the of the book series of the same name, Foundation, yeah. which is also next to Dune, one of the early extremely influential sci-fi books. Mm-hmm. And those both of those like. As, as both of those series decided to take the source material, which is very complex, huge in scale, very, very epic, like like really long-lasting series. Also, Dune is a, is a crazy, like uh, Her- Herbert himself made like six books in his lifetime. And then after after him, his son continued making like 20 books. Or something yeah. like crazy. Yeah. There's so much tune that you will never run out of tune stories and lore and you know universe. That it's it's very interesting for me that they they did decide with two other book series to make series out of them. So why didn't they couldn't have made tune? Because Villeneuve want to make a film. <laughs> yeah, but it's like Mom. an obsession to do it. I don't know what's the real reason. I love it that they did it. I. I was very interested to hear these ideas, but I don't want to go on, uh, end with uh, disappointing mood at all. We, we have to trust and be happy with this beautiful experience. Did you see it in a theater, in a big theater? Uh, yes, yes. And I, I like, you know, I, I really enjoyed like the visuals. You, you can, you can really feel the quality of the set design and the production. You mean this flapping helicopter wings? Everything. Desert oh, and yeah. all the and the worms and, and, you know, yeah. and stuff. I, and, and, uh, one thing that I really, really enjoyed, so maybe I can explain this. Um, uh, it's good that you remind me of all the positive things of the movie. The, I, there was this... Um, some critics have uh, criticized it, but... I, I was really enjoying this. Um, they had this force field thing, remember? What, what? Just a minute. What was that? <laughs> the force field, this uh, armor field. Yes. So they, they when they start fighting with knives or there's danger, they put on this like beep, 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 beep. And then blah, 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 blah. there's like this weird layered. You see it first time coming on. And then you see it when they hit with the knives every time and stuff. So... If I, I want to say a little bit about that, that um, uh, usually like I, I liked how in this new movie they decided to kind of go against the s- sort of uh, standard tropes of sci-fi, uh, mainly uh, laser beam action. You know, it's it's the the ma- most basic, of course, introduced like uh, most famous of Star Wars. Everybody's pew 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 going, and then this laser pew 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 pew. No, because they have everywhere. inner power here all, all the time. Inner power they have. So this so themselves. yeah, but so. that doesn't doesn't mean okay. why they don't have laser okay. beam guns. And that was an interesting point at some point when I was watching the film. 
I was like suddenly realized that nobody has fired laser beams at any point, and that everybody's fighting. Everybody, all the Sar Sar Coden and uh, assassins and other soldiers, when they are like uh, coming to battle, they're all the time with knives and swords. And that was a really like interesting aspect to me, like. Why? Why are? Why is nobody having like just a, because easy to <laughs> pew, you know, just kill? But so uh, suddenly I, I was then kind of starting to piece it together based on how the this 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 movie version, this specific movie version universe is kind of built, and 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 how how it kind of communicates the reasoning and logic of that world. And I liked the fact that I was and I was kind of. Uh, piecing it together so that uh, because we you have this shield and then it actually said the the Havat this Josh Borlins uh, when they are fighting in the very beginning they are kind of telling small bits details about this armor uh, where I, he says I think he says something like that. Uh, it it doesn't uh, it it doesn't penetrate full on like point attack. It like stops, but then like a small if you just bring it very slowly, and and then slice, it can create like it can kind of go through the armor or something like this. There's a, like a you have to use the knife in a very specific way to get uh, uh, lethal against the armor. So if if the idea is that it it, it can withstand like this pinpoint uh, like an like a like a direct arrow um, uh, surface attack, that would explain that like they they maybe might have had laser beams before, but then they created this armor to kind of stop laser beams. Uh, they have the laser beams already. Maybe, maybe. Let's say uh, to me it reads that way that maybe they did, and then they, everybody had created, put on this armor, and the laser beams were ineffective because this armor just, you know, bing, bing, bing. It doesn't. It penetrated because the laser beam just comes and then goes off because armor is designed so to prevent against laser, like direct wow. shooting. You went so, into such lengths. In yeah. So thinking. then. Wow. <laughs> so then, <laughs> this is what I was thinking during the movie. So then. So then everybody moved into knives and uh, uh, swords because they are more lethal than the the laser beams. Everybody mm -hmm. puts the armor on and it protects still, but you have to be very, very dangerous and lethal and use it in the right way yeah. to get into the right angle, the right pressure, and then you get to, like, like Idaho... So Duncan Idaho Go back at the to, end to Middle Ages, yeah. Yeah, you, have, you are, like, forced mm. to use... And then there is this uh, couple of moments like how the Duke Leto died is that he was shot like like a gun was or uh, there's a couple of moments where a gun is shot and then there is this um, uh, like a like a dart like a poison dart flies through the air and it, it goes into the armor and then tries to slowly penetrate Armor. That's how the Duke Leto dies. That he has this, this, this poison dart at the back of his head that, that he doesn't get out in time, and it's kind of penetrating slowly his armor 
you know, and that's how you have to. So it, all of these scenes kind of really show a wonderful way the the logic of the universe, and that I really enjoyed uh, most in in that that in how all those details of how how that universe works. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah, I like that very much. All this uh, old and new and all this opposite. Okay, thank you. Mm. Thank you for this discussion. We have to stop. It's uh, getting too long. No? Yeah, it's quite long already. So thank yeah. you. Okay, thank you. See you next time. Yeah. Bye bye. Good. Bye bye. Thank you.